Good morning, everybody. So good to be with you. Uh, as a shepherd, I sure miss my flock. I sure miss you. I miss the fellowship. I miss the talking, the joking, the, the hugging, <laughs> hugging for one thing, <laughs> coronavirus. Um, uh, but I try to stay in, in touch with you a little bit, just as through the, through the message and through some texts and phone calls and so on and so forth. And I pray that you would do the same thing with your fellow believers, uh, both within our own fellowship and others that may need some encouragement. As you, you know, people get lonely, they, they, they don't see other people, they try to stay away, uh, the homebound and so on and so forth. So, uh, good to be with you. Good morning. Uh, I had a, a, a doctor's appointment this week, whatever you call it, an e-appointment or internet appointment or whatever. So, we had an appointment over the phone uh, and uh, he, he told me, he says, Kenny, this thing about the five entities that you're saying, you need to preach it everywhere because people are not doing it. So this is concerning the coronavirus. And I had mentioned to him, I had mentioned to you last week and the week before, that there are five entities. One is me. Uh, if, if I get malaria, I'm not contagious. I don't have to worry about other people. I have my malaria. I get my medication, I go to the doctor, he, he gets me over it, the Lord gets me over it, I'm done. But this is different. This is very, very contagious. So we have to be very, very careful. So there's five entities, me, others, others at risk, uh, medical uh, professionals and first responders, and then medical facilities, five. And they are very much related to one another. So if I get sick, if I get contaminated, then my wife will not be able to go see her father who is 100 years old for a long, long time for fear of, you know, basically his death sentence or something like that. And then when we are a little bit careless, then we overwhelm the, the we, we can get so many of the at-risk folks, folks sick. And then we overwhelm the medical uh, staff and the first responders, contaminate them, they get sick. Then there's even less people to work, the sick people. Then those sick people that go to the hospital and overwhelm the hospital. So that I'm just saying this. And he asked me, he says, you make sure you say this to everybody that you can, especially on your message on Sunday morning. And so, so I'm doing that, what my doctor is telling me to do. <laughs> and he's the medical professional, so I take his word very seriously. Uh, so let's all be very, very, very careful. We need to anyways but be a little bit more careful than you otherwise would have been by the words that I'm speaking to you this morning. So thank you so much. Uh, another quick word about the pastors in Corpus Christi. You saw probably some of the pastors in Corpus Christi on Facebook and, and the, 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 the word is, the idea is, the meeting that we had is for our pastors to stick together as one and minister to our city, Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. And so there is no, we are encouraging folks to be faithful to their own church, to be faithful to their own pastors, to be faithful in their giving because churches have bills, as you well know. And so be faithful in every way. We are thankful at Walder Road Baptist Church that you've been faithful in your giving. It is so, so important so that we can continue when this thing is over, we can start where we left off and and, and go uh, full best. So we thank you so much for your faithfulness. Um, and then those of you in our fellowship that are having a birthday or an anniversary, I want to give you the beep, 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 hooray! Beep, 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 hooray! That is what we do in our church. Welcome also to uh, those who are not part of our church and that are, are tuning in. We, we love to have you. Last week we had a number of you. We welcome you back. Thank you so very much. So then, let me get to my sermon. The, the title of my sermon is Trials, Growth, and Joy. Trials, Growth, and Joy. I say it like that. I could have said it in, in many different ways. I say it like that because there is a relationship here. Trials, they produce growth in the Christian, and often we are enduring the trials. But so many of the scriptures teach us that we should have joy in our trials. So that's where I'm going this morning. 
uh, especially concerning the coronavirus, where so many people are going to have difficulty, and so many people are going to have even maybe more difficulty. Uh, so if you're one of those, then this is the message for you today. Um, so many people don't have a real perspective when it comes to difficulty, but the scriptures are very clear. Obviously, we cannot do all that has to do with these, uh, this idea of uh, difficulty and tests and trials and tribulations and these type of things. But I want to give you just a, 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 a how you call it, a, a little bit of it, a, a, a helping of it, uh, so that we can at least get some perspective. And this morning I will deal with some of the scriptures that have helped me when me and my family were going through difficult times, having lost our my business. <laughs> and, and the Lord taught me some things. And the, the things that the Lord has taught me through scriptures and otherwise, I want to share some of that with you. Because though it is difficult, there is still tremendous opportunity for Christians for spiritual growth, well-doing, that we can do well to, to other people, do good, uh, unity, that we can be in unity. Often when there's difficulty, the unity seems to dissipate, seems to go. So let's be uh, how, determined to stay in unity. Uh, that God is giving us more testimony because it is difficult and people know that it was difficult or that it is difficult and that we stand up for Jesus Christ and have joy in Him and, and more than anything, faith in Him, trust in Him, then that, that, that is testimony to other people that what God has done for us, He can also do for them. And then yes, last but not least, and I have it on your screen with capital letters, joy, joy. That is such a difficult thing when we are going through difficulty. And yes, I'll be the first to admit, the apostle who speaks so much about joy, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And these type of things that Paul is saying, uh, uh, throughout all the epistles that he wrote about joy, he, that very same apostle also says in, in the book of Romans, uh, the 12th chapter, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice, and mourn with those who mourn. So there is room obviously for mourning. When you lose a loved one, you're not going around having oh, all this joy. Uh, you can have joy in knowing where they're going, but there's a mourning that takes place because we're going, you're going to miss them. So anyways, so just, that sets the, 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 the scenery for me, the scenario of what I wanna talk about. Also then, when we are finding ourselves in difficulty or there's others in difficulty, then certainly, as Christians, we realize that it's a great opportunity to call on the name of the Lord, to call on the name of the Lord, individually, as well as collectively, as the church, the big C, not just Walden Road, but the church, the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and more than anything else, that we should trust in the Lord. It is an opportunity. So don't, don't consider a hindrance that you're going through difficulty. Consider an opportunity that God has given you an opportunity to trust Him bigger than maybe you've ever trusted Him before. And that, and that is huge. And this is what the Lord has, has taught me uh, uh, partly as I'm introducing the subject. So we don't want to be like the children of Israel who stood in front of the Red Sea, belly aching and complaining and asking Moses, why were there not enough graves in Egypt that we have to come die over here? And of all those that were fixing to cross the Red Sea, uh, of all those, there was one man that trusted God and admonished the folks, hey, see how the Lord is going to deliver you, us today. So, so I'm telling people when I counsel people that find themselves in difficulty, even before the corona, over the last 20 or so years or more, I've counseled people, I say, hey, listen, what I need for you to do is to dance and rejoice on this side of the Red Sea. Don't wait till you get to the other side of the Red Sea. That's easy. That's what the children of, of Israel did. I don't want the children of God today, the Christians, the believers, I don't want them to wait till the other side of the Red Sea. I want them to rejoice on this side of the Red Sea when right behind them is the clouds of the chariots of Pharaoh 
and and yet they say lord we trust you completely we trust you so here it is uh these are we're going to look at some of the scriptures that have helped me like i said earlier uh, i speak of them often some of you might have heard of it before but today i bring it in a little bit different format because it, <laughs> it is so hard to look at my face all this time <laughs> Uh, when I'm preaching in the, in the sermon in, in the church, I walk around and, uh, and so on and so forth. But here you have to just, I sit still and you have to look at me. And so we put some things on the, on the screen for you to make things easier, to give you a list where there is a list. For you to be able to read the scripture with us when there is a scripture, scripture to be read. So you can follow it. And then later on, if you wanted to, you could go back to it on Facebook. And then you know, take a picture of it if you want to, or take a picture on the screen right now if you want to. So, uh, God bless you. Let, let's get started. Uh, I'm going to give you the punchline of the whole thing right at the beginning. Victory is your birthright in the second birth. Let me say it again. Victory is your birthright in the second birth. So, let me define what I mean by victory because so often people think that when you say victory that it means that God is going to de deliver you out of every difficulty boom just like that if you just have a little faith if you pray or, or God is going to deliver you maybe maybe not he, he can do it and has often done it but he doesn't always operate that way sometimes he leaves you in difficulty for a while because he has some work to do on you <laughs> I, I, okay let me speak for me he had and continues to have to do some work on me. So he, he, he makes things not always all that easy for me, especially when we had lost the business and it was about 20 years of, of, of difficulty. So uh, victory then, uh, is the way I'm looking at it, is a life that counts for Jesus. A life that matters for Jesus. A life that matters to the kingdom of God. In difficulty, as well as in death. So across the board, a life that matters to God, but also your life is going to matter, maybe more so when you find yourself in difficulty because other people know what difficulty that you're going through, and in death. And I must say that the apostles in their death have ministered and continue to minister to me. Some of the martyrs, some of the books that you read, some of the books that I read and I have read, they, those people, they still minister to me, although they're long dead. In death, they have still victory because it is a life that has mattered for Jesus and continues to matter for Jesus. So victory is important to be defined. It's your birthright. So when you are born, but it's not the first birth that it is your birthright, it is your second birth. When you are born again of God, your second birth, you're born again, then your birthright becomes immediately victory that your life if you submit it to the lord jesus christ will matter for the kingdom of god oh that's all i want for my for for my life that it matters for the kingdom of god so let me go to my first uh, main point the first main point is what do others even christians say when you find yourself in difficulty. Well, I have found myself in difficulty, so I have experienced some of these things myself, firsthand. So, uh, some of them say, if you had more faith, and then they are wondering, is, you, is, is God building your faith, or is He exposing your faith? So, some people say, no, 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 He is building your faith. Others say, no, 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 He's exposing your faith. It's both, because our faith always needs to be exposed because it is not perfect yet. It can always grow. So he is uh, growing our faith in the difficulty. That is part of what he wants to do and what the difficulty is designed to do. Whether you believe that God has actually orchestrated the difficulty or that he just allowed it. Ultimately, it doesn't make that much difference because we need to trust him and he wants to work through these difficulties to make us stronger Christians. So he is both building our faith and he is exposing our faith. So you thought that you had so much faith 
but there's nothing that exposes your faith so readily as difficulty. <laughs> Everybody can talk a good game, but when we find ourselves in difficulty, then is the faith there to sustain us? Is the trust there to say, God, I trust you completely, no matter what. Even if death is knocking on the door, I will trust you. Or they say to you, uh, you must be in sin, otherwise this would not happen. Well, it could be true, because if you are in sin, you're going to find yourself in plenty of difficulty. But if you are a, a serious Christian walking with the Lord, you will still sin, but that is different than being in sin. So, uh, so often then you hear that you, <laughs> you have difficulty because you are in sin. So that would knock out the apostles also, because... They had difficulty. They had tremendous difficulty. My difficulties don't compare with their difficulties at all. Some of them got beheaded, upside down, whatever, uh, suffered greatly, imprisoned, you, you name it. Uh, so the idea then that you must be in sin is not, is not full out. It doesn't go all the way. It is uh, lame in its argument. Or somebody says, I feel sorry for you. No, no, no. I explain to the people after I've gone through so, so, so much difficulty. I say, don't feel sorry for me. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> that you haven't had the favor that God has given me to, to let me go through these difficulties so that he could build me up and make me stronger. So, no, don't feel sorry for me. Uh, I, I'm actually feeling pretty good about this. Or somebody says, what is God doing to you? No, 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 it's the wrong language. God is doing something for me, not to me. Okay? So, uh, uh, just want to give you a little bit of perspective. And so, I am not going with man's opinion. I don't have a lot of stock in man's opinion because this is what happened to the Apostle Paul. A viper fastened himself to his hand. And the people that were standing around over there, they were thinking... Oh, he must be a murderer. He is going to drop dead any moment now. But he didn't drop dead. He shook off the, the viper into the fire. It burned. And uh, then they changed their mind. They say, oh, he must be a god. You see what I'm saying? That is why I don't put a lot of stock in man's opinion. Uh, they call you one moment a murderer. The next moment, <laughs> they call you a god. <laughs> so I put my stock in what God says. So that takes me to the second heading. Uh, what does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? And then now I'm bringing in a few scriptures that I would like to comment on a little bit and then break it down and put it on the screen for you. And you'll see uh, some of it highlighted. That means that in the, the different lists that I have, those highlighted ones are they come they come uh, they come in, in the other scriptures as well, so they appear in this scripture, this scripture, and this scripture. The highlighted ones, and then the ones that are not highlighted are just things for us to remember, so that we can take note of it. What God is saying about our difficulty. The first one, and I'm going to read the scripture first. I have it memorized in the Old King James version, but I'm, I'm going to go with the New King James. So let me read it to you. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, if we're going to have peace with God, it is always through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. And not only that, so in other words, we're not just glorying in the hope of the glory of God. We're rejoicing in something else as well. As well. Listen to what he's saying in verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing, ha, a key word here, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 
So I'm going to mention a couple of things from verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to focus on verses 3 through 5. In verses 1, it says, Therefore being justified, having been justified, the new King James, by faith. Uh, Paul is just coming out of a big explanation out of Romans, the verses, uh, chapters 3 and 4, about that, that um, salvation, justification, comes by faith and faith alone. Uh, verses 3 and 4 in Romans. And then in chapter 5, he just starts the chapter 5 with saying that having been justified by faith, now then we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also... We have a new position. We have accessed, accessed this grace that we stand in by faith. We have accessed that by faith, and now we're standing in this grace that He has for us. So uh, this is our new position. And He says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That is something wonderful to rejoice in. This hope that you are going to receive the glory of God. How big is that? But he doesn't stay over there. He just says not only that. We glory also in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation works with patience. And patience. So the, these difficulties are going to produce some things in us. So let, us, let me give you a list then of the things that we're finding in these scriptures. And then we'll make a, a comment or two on each of them. So, first of all, he is speaking to Christians. There's an, uh, it is highlighted because the idea of Christians uh, counted all joy brothers. So, the brethren, the Christians, the follower of Jesus Christ. This is... Uh, uh, who he is, is addressing and, and who he is addressing it to, that they might take heed and trust the Lord. Let me, let me just say this. If you, um, if you uh, are not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, let me encourage you even right now to receive him as your Lord and Savior. That he died for you on the cross and rose from the dead. And that if you will believe that with all your heart, that he died for all your wrongdoings, past, present, and future, and that he rose from the dead to show us and to guarantee us that we shall rise from the dead also, he says then, you shall be saved. I gave it to you just in brief. And um, so, trust the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Believe me, if you find yourself in difficulty, you, you'll need his help. I'm not asking you to trust him just for this help. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to encourage you to trust him for your life and for eternal life. He died on the cross for you because he loved you so much. And on the cross, both, uh, both love and justice were fulfilled. He loved us, so he died for us on the cross. And then justice was fulfilled uh, uh, be because somebody needed to pay for our wrongdoings. And Jesus says, I'll do it as the Father sent him. And he did. If you trust him this morning, uh, then he, he wants to save you. So would you do that? We'll get back to that in just a little bit. So he's speaking to the Christians. He says, therefore being justified by faith. You've been justified. So that means you've become a Christian. You've been converted from a non-Christian to a Christian. He speaks about rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. That is to say, of course, as Christians, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Don't we, each of us, want to receive the glory of God? Yes. So we rejoice in that. But then Paul makes the contrary point, And he says, and not only so, but we rejoice in tribulation also. Not only in this one, but also in this one. We rejoice in tribulation also. That is a big statement. Rejoicing in tribulations, Paul. Do you know what you're saying? Paul, you mean I am fixing to lose my business and you're telling me I should rejoice in the difficulties that I'm finding myself in? It is not because you are 
rejoicing because you are in difficulty. It is you are rejoicing because you know something that these difficulties are going to produce. So therefore, we put the word a, a, a knowing in there as well. So we have glory and tribulations. We have the word knowing. The word knowing gives us perspective. If we know something, then if I tell you that uh, the doctor is going to give you a shot, it's going to hurt like crazy, but in a couple of days you feel a whole lot better, I can convince you of that. That would make sense to you. That is good reasoning. But just to go take a shot with a lot of pain and you're not even going to feel better, that doesn't make any sense. So Paul is saying here that, hey, we glory in tribulation because we know something. We have a knowledge of, of something and it gives us perspective that God through these difficulties, God through this pain, God through these tests and trials and tribulations is going to produce something in my life. Remember, uh, though you might lose your business, though might, you might have been in pain, uh, this life here on earth is a physical life. And God wants to, God belongs to a spiritual kingdom that often manifests itself also in the physical. But we are spiritual beings now. So God is making us spiritually stronger. He is giving us spiritual endurance. He is giving us spiritual patience. These type of things is what he's trying to produce in us. So we know something. We know, he says, that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance. An incredibly godly virtue. Perseverance. My dear brothers and sisters, or another word would be, another translation would be staying power. In these difficulties, my brothers and sisters, don't you agree we need staying power? We need perseverance. We need perseverance lest we give up. But God doesn't want us to give up. He has a message for us. He wants us to know that he's going to produce some things in us. And then we know that perseverance produces tested character. In the New King James, it just reads the word character. But the best translation would be tested character or approvedness. And my dear brothers and sisters, you cannot have tested character without tests. <laughs> you see? So Jesus tells us, tells us we are overcomers. But as Christians, I think we're the only group that wants to be overcomers without anything to overcome. <laughs> As soon as we have something to overcome, oh, I didn't realize that was part of the deal. We're balking at it. We're belly aching. We're feeling sorry for ourselves. But my dear brothers and sisters, as much as you want to be on the mountaintop, you cannot climb a smooth mountain. This is not from me. I had heard this many, many, many years ago from some smart guy that came up with it. But you cannot climb a smooth mountain. You need to do the jaggedy actions you need to be able to put your foot there and to grab hold of that, to be able to climb that mountain, to get to the top. And this is what God is affording us, these jaggedy edges to climb that mountain, to be on top of this spiritual mountain that God has for us. And then he says, tested character produces hope. And this hope does not make ashamed. This hope is for sure, another translation would say. So sometimes we're thinking hope more in terms of like uh, wishful thinking, like the farmer hopes that it might rain tomorrow. He's wishful thinking, there is no guarantee. But the hope that, that Paul is speaking of over here, that God wants us to have, the hope in him so sure that it is a fact that has not happened yet. But it's a fact, nevertheless. In God's economy, it has already happened. And we put our hope in Him because He is the one that makes it happen. A fact that hasn't happened yet. Then let's look at John 16:33. You might be very familiar with this verse. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I gave it to you in the old uh, King James. I read it now in the new King James. It's, it's pretty, pretty much the same. These things have I spoken to you, that in me ye may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, 
be of good cheer. <laughs> you hear that? I have overcome the world. Here you have that same idea again of being of good cheer, rejoicing like Paul is saying in Romans the fifth chapter. So uh, he's saying, I have spoken these things to you. This is nothing new to you. Uh, I've spoken these things that you are going to have tribulations and I've spoken these things that, that you may have peace in me. It is always about Jesus to have this peace uh, with God and the peace from God. Here is speaking about the speed, the, the, the peace with and from God. Um, and he goes on to say, so he says, hey, you're going to have peace. Uh, I've, I've, I've warned you about these things. I've spoken these things to you. In the world, you will have tribulations. He is guaranteeing us. This is not just a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You will have tribulations in, in, in this world. Uh, but he says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So let me break it down for you and give you a list of, of these things. First of all, it is Jesus speaking. In my Bible, it is with red letters. It is Jesus speaking. When Jesus speaks, it is even more important than when Paul speaks. Although God speaks through Paul as well. So I'm just trying to make the point. When it's with red letters, I pay close, close attention to it. It's Jesus speaking. And he says, we're going to have peace in him. And we're going to have peace in Jesus. We have peace in Jesus. There is no peace anywhere else. In, 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 in these circumstances where we find the coronavirus and people are in an upheaval, they are in a panic, in the grocery store, wherever it may be. But Jesus says, don't, don't worry about it. I'm a, I give you my peace in all of this. They cut in front of you to get your toilet paper and now you missed out. Hey, have peace. <laughs> it's okay. He's saying to us, in my economy, that is to say, in his economy, things are fine. Things are okay. They are, uh, I, I, I want to say okay because I don't want to overwhelm you. My tendency is to say things are wonderful because in God they are wonderful. So, and then thirdly, he says, in the world, you will have tribulations. This is a guarantee. He's telling us. He's told us about it. You're going to have peace. You can have peace. And uh, you, you, you will have tribulations. I, I want to tell you this up front. You will have tribulations. So, you're signing up for this as well. It is inevitable, inevitable that you are going to have difficulty in life. But then, the same verse not the same words exactly, but the same idea is repeated that Paul said in Romans, the fifth chapter. He says, be of good cheer. Here is where that word joy comes in. Here is where that word joy comes in. Be of good cheer. My dear brothers and sisters, this is not a suggestion that Jesus is making. <laughs> he, he's, giving you a, a, he's giving you a mandate. He says, be of good cheer. When people see you in difficulty, and you are of good cheer, you'll be a testimony unto my kingdom. And that is part of what the reason is that you are here on earth, is to be a testimony to the kingdom of God, to show other people the greatness of God and how much you trust in Him, to inspire them to trust in Him as well. So be of good cheer. And then Jesus says this, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. When you cling to Him and yield to Him, you share in His victory over all of the world, all of the thoughts and all of the things of this world. He gives you, he gives you a, a, a victory in a greater way than not losing your job, in a greater way than having pain, in a greater way than Paul was asking for the deliverance uh, from the thorn in the flesh. He says, I'm going to give you something greater. I'm going to give you grace. The power of God in your life is what he wants to develop in you. Oh, ho, 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 ho. that the things that he wants to produce in us. Let me give you another verse that you are, I'm sure, very familiar with. So here we're still talking about what the scriptures are saying, right? What the scriptures are saying. So we look at James 
chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. I will read it, and then we'll break it down a little bit. So he says, in verse 2, My brethren, yes, he's speaking to the brethren. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing, here is that word again, that the testing of your faith produces patience. But that patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Check that out. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You're going through difficulty. You lost your business, but you won't be lacking anything. <laughs> Certainly in the spiritual realm. So, and not in the physical realm either, because even though you might not have all that you want, uh, you might not, not even have all that you think that you need, but you'll have all that Jesus thinks that you need. In some of our instances, uh, uh, we, we, we have discovered that Jesus is all you need. But you'll never find out that He's all you need till He's all you have. And that's enough, brothers and sisters. So let me give you, let's break it down a little bit. Let's see what James 1, 2 through 4 says. My brethren, he's talking to the believers. If you're not a believer, I want to encourage you to become one this morning. If you have any questions, we'll, I'll share with you my phone number if you, if, you need, if you need to know it. My phone number is 361-779-4210. I want to give it to you right now. If you're not a believer and you want to become one, give me a call and I'll be happy to share with you how to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He makes all the difference in your life, my brothers and sisters. My brethren, then he says, count it all joy. All joy needs a little bit of uh, consideration, a little bit of maybe explanation. Because he's saying there, all joy, in other words, unadulterated joy, pure joy, nothing but joy. Huh? How difficult is that, you think? But as soon as you yield yourself to Jesus Christ, he wants to start Rejoy, developing, producing this joy in you. There's no waiting game. When you come to Him, when you come under Him, and you lean on Him, and you yield your life to Him, then He brings this joy into you. That is His job. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. The Father has told the Holy Spirit, it is your job to give them joy. It is called fruit of the Spirit. So that is part of what He wants us to have. And, but, but we often don't have because we, we're climbing that smooth mountain. We want to be conquerors without anything to overcome. So uh, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you fall into various trials. So he, clearly he's saying here, and makes it very clear again, that you will have trials. He's not saying if you fall into various trials. He says, when you fall into various trials and various trials that means you know it was not just okay you, have, you had a flat tire <laughs> there's all kinds of trials you might find yourself in um, and uh, knowing here's that word again knowing that it's going to produce something that the testing of your faith God is testing your faith not for the purpose of failing you he's testing your faith for the purpose of building you up, of building it up, so that you can walk in a stronger faith than you thought you had, so that you might please Him more, and bless Him more, and bless others more because of your faith. What a testimony, knowing that the testing of my faith is going to produce something. And He says here, <clears throat> it will produce patience. Or it's a similar word as endurance, a similar word as, as, as staying power. Uh, but then he goes on to say, but let, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The word perfect and complete, the word perfect over there has to do with spiritual maturity. That you might grow up in your spirituality, that you might grow up in your faith, that you might grow up as a Christian. That you are not a baby any longer or a teenager uh, in the faith. 
a baby that you know, <laughs> you know, my, my my little kids when I used to take him to 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 a a a, 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 a fun park uh, all day long. They had fun. I gave them all anything they wanted to eat because this was going to be a fun day. You could have whatever you wanted. You could ride whatever you wanted, and then say, okay, okay, kids, now it's it's time to go home. No, I don't want to go home. No, 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 no. It's it's time to go home. <sighs> but didn't you have a good day? No, I had a terrible day. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> it was a beautiful day, but it is a child. We don't want to be like that in our faith. And he doesn't want us to be like that in our faith. So he's making, he gives us opportunity to become mature Christians that are standing strong. They don't complain readily. They don't lose faith readily. They don't hold grudges readily. They don't speak out of bounds readily. They are mature in their faith. They are that light that Jesus speaks of that shines everywhere they go. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little serious because this, this study means so much to me. Uh, I've walked through it myself in difficulty and I have seen others walk in difficulty and I want you to know that I'm gonna go through uh, the coronavirus and, and its ripple effect. I want you to know this message, my dear brothers and sisters, so that you can stand strong in the Lord, that you can stand strong in the Lord. My third heading is Jesus also had the experience of the combination of pain and joy. Jesus also had the combination, the experience of this combination of, of pain and joy. So you don't have Jesus asking us, hey, listen, you guys, you, you, you do what I ask you to do, okay? Uh, and, and, and good luck. No, no, no. He's gone through it and then some and then some and then some to the nth degree. I mean, there is no way of describing it. Uh, so, let me read Romans 12, 2. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Hebrews 12, 2. Forgive me. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's take a closer look at that. Let's break it down a little bit. Looking unto Jesus. That is the first thing on the list. Looking unto Jesus. Uh, in the original language, it, it has the connotation of that you were looking at something else. Stop looking at something else and turn your view onto Jesus. So, well, typically that happens so often to Christian folks, to most folks, uh, maybe not most folks, but a lot of folks, a lot of folks that I know, that they are looking anywhere else for a solution. They're looking everywhere else, but they're not looking to unto Jesus. So the original language says, you're looking somewhere else, stop doing it. Look to Jesus. He is your answer. He is your answer. No, he's not maybe gonna send dollars coming from the sky. He had sent manna from the sky before and quail. So, I mean, it's not like he can't do it. When I was going through my difficult time, I was actually looking in the, in the mailbox every day if God was sending me a check. You might laugh at it, but I was trusting that he was going to take care of me and I didn't know exactly how he was going to take care of me. If he wanted to, he could send me a check in the mail. <laughs> what do you think? That's what I thought. I checked it every day. But he's fit to do it in another way. We don't have time for my testimony or that much testimony this morning, so I better just wanted you to know. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. There you have that word. He's developing our faith. So he's the beginner, he's the initiator of our faith, and he's also the finisher of our faith. So he's not only the initiator, but also the completer of our faith and anything in, in between. Right now, we're all in between. And he's completing our faith. He's making us stronger. As we look to him for everything, he is making our faith stronger so that we can stand with him and for him. Um, uh, and then you have the idea of the, the joy and the endurance. The, that is to say the joy and the enduring the cross, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I want to first talk about enduring the cross. 
I want to first talk about the pain, then, then the joy. And I, not that I, I can do it better than the scriptures. I'm not saying that at all. But I, I want us to look at the pain first, and then we're, we're looking at the joy. Because you see, it is a brutal, brutal pain that Jesus went through on the cross. It was not just the physical pain. The physical pain was the least of the pain. There have others that have been crucified for their faith. Some of them have been burned alive for their faith. So, but in, in, the, in, in the case of Jesus, he bore every sin of every man and woman of every time and period. He bore on him that they might be forgiven. He made, he made uh, uh, arrangements for your sin to be forgiven. Every single solitary one of them that he carried and paid for on the cross. My dear brothers and sisters, that, like I said earlier, it was love justified and justice justified. Or let's say love satisfied and justice satisfied. Justice satisfied and that we had broken the law and somebody had to pay for it and Jesus did for all of us. Once again, my dear brothers and sisters, if, 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 if you there in your living room, wherever you are, listen to this, and you are not a follower of the, the Lord Jesus Christ, let me encourage you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, he wants to build you up in your faith. He wants to build you up in your spirit. He wants to make you a stronger, more patient, more enduring, a friendly, a loving person, and so on and so forth. Uh, I, I, I don't have enough time to explain all of that. But if you're interested, call a friend that is a pastor. Call a friend that knows about these things. Call me. I gave you my number already. And, and be happy to share with you. So he says uh, that he endured the pain of the cross. He endured the pain of the cross for us. For us. And check this out. But he did it with joy. Now, was he looking forward to this pain? He wasn't looking forward to this pain on the cross. He was looking forward, and that's why there was joy in it for him, that when he would die on the cross, that would give us opportunity for salvation. And that brought him so much joy that he says, I'm doing it with joy, knowing, looking forward, looking into the future of how many people will come to salvation and therefore spend eternity with me. Oh, brothers and sisters, that is so exciting to me. Yes. So, and then there was also shame on that cross. And he says, hey, the heck with that shame. I, I, I'll take it on top of it. I'll do this. For salvation's sake brothers and sisters and then my fourth point is really the solution to all this the solution to all this i take it to first peter 5 7 that says casting all your care upon him for he cares for you casting all your care upon him for he cares for you so, these are some interesting words that I want to break down once again. Uh, because sometimes we read over scripture so quickly, we, we don't get the essence of it. And this is an important one, because so often when we cast our troubles onto Jesus, then we wait there for a little while and then we, we pull some back from, from that we have casted out. on it. So, because why? We deposited them over there. But he says, no, no, no cast them throw them when you have let them go they're gone no more to be retrieved so he says cast all your care so often we read the word cares but it's actually the word care because peter is saying over here to not have you know one care and another care and another care and another care and toss those and then you hold on for a bunch of no no he says all your care make it a package deal and throw the whole bundle on him. Throw the whole bundle of him on him. And in a once for all action, in a once for all happening, that you throw the whole bundle on him, never to be retrieved again. And then it goes on to say, for he cares for you. Excuse me. Those are 
what's that? Five words that are loaded over there. That the, the, the English doesn't portray exactly what, what, it, what it's saying over there or what it's meaning. And if you read over it too quickly, you'll, you'll, you'll miss it. For he cares for you. It, it is not that he cares for us just like a father cares for a son. It is not like he cares for us like a mother for a daughter. It is not that he cares for us because he supplies. He is our everyday supply. He is our life. No, he cares for us, meaning that this, that his care for us, our well-being is foremost in his heart. His, well, his desire for our well-being is greater than our desire for our well-being could ever be. We can't even think about caring for ourselves the way that Jesus wants to care for us. Like we said last week, he wants to do for us exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can think or ask even. So we, we, we don't even know how to ask. We don't even know how to care for. But he knows exactly. So whatever cares that we have, throw it on him as a bundle. For this is the reason. He cares for you. He cares for you, my dear, beloved brothers and sisters. How he loves you. How he cares for you. Your well-being is foremost in his heart. So I'm closing with this statement once again. Victory is your birthright in the second birth. I have spoken about the second birth often today and have invited you to join Jesus into eternity. That you would give your life to Jesus Christ who died for you on the cross and rose from the dead on the third day. That you would Submit your life to Him, uh, for He cares for you. That's not the only reason. Um, so, but victory then is your birthright. When you are born again in the second birth, this is automatically your birthright, that you should have victory. In other words, once again, let me repeat it once again, that your life would matter for the kingdom of God, even in difficulty or in death. Now, this is, I'm, I was a little serious about this, this message because I, 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 I want you to have it. I want, if you find yourself in difficulty, I want you to have a perspective that God is for you. He's not against you. That God wants your well-being. Give your life to Him. Victory is your birthright in the second birth. God bless you. Kiss.